Hey, hey, welcome back to my podcast. Isabel here. I hope this podcast is finding you all cozy up because the weather here in the UK especially has gone colder. So I hope you are warm, um, safe and feeling well. Now, today's episode is a special one. I know I always say that, but it is a special one because this is the first time I get something like that done live on the podcast. So today's episode is with Evie Jenner. She's an Enneagram coach. Enneagram is in a very gross kind of, I'm just putting it grossly, but it's more than that. It's like a self-development tool. So we have a session. uh, We recorded a session together live because I thought it would be more interesting for you guys to discover it through someone having a session than just hearing about it. So the episode is a little bit longer than usual. She goes through my profile, then she found out my profile. She tells me a lot about my profile, and then we talk about the other profiles. So it's such an interesting one. I've actually, at the time of recording this intro so far, I've done three sessions with her, and I've found it really beneficial and so timely because I've recently been working a lot on on myself, on things and that I want to improve Um self-development you know growth and challenging ourselves so I I hope you enjoy it I hope you get curious about it uh, I'm putting her details in the show notes so you just go and perhaps give her a follow on Instagram to understand a little bit more about Enneagram or go on her website book a free consultation just to chat about it I also find her prices really really accessible really really good and she's she's good she's got a good heart and she's great at her job um that's it I get quite vulnerable in the (laughs) in the show uh but yeah I wanted to share as much as possible with you uh I was going to leave it into two episodes but I had to edit it and make it into one episode because it was a two hours and I was like that's too long nobody want to hear me talk for two hours that's just too much so I've edited it down uh, or rather Angela my assistant I've edited it down to about an hour and 10 an hour and 15 so anyway Enjoy the episode and I'd love to hear back from you. Like, what did you think? Is it something you'd like to explore? And yeah, leave a review, a five-star review. It really, really helped the podcast. So much love for you. Enjoy. Okay, so here we go. I am with the lovely Evie and she's about to do my Enneagram and I'm excited. I'm a nerd and let's do this. Let's do this. Let's jump in. Thanks so much for having me as well. Of course. What a huge joy. Okay, so let's let's get right into it. You can you can just tell me when to pause, if you need more of a moment, but as I say at the beginning of all of my sessions, when we're first jumping into the Enneagram, at the beginning, all you can do is simply begin. And so just you being here right now, Isabelle, is you're doing everything you need to do. You're doing more than enough. And it's it's going to be a beautiful exploration of who you are. Mm. And, and that is a gift. That is a gift uh, to me as your guide. And hopefully that will be a gift for you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for you to think about where you go from here with this information with this knowledge um but let's just explain a little bit about what the Enneagram is yeah because there's not tons of info Mm -hmm. about here in the UK just yet I'm hopeful for that to change but we can think of the Enneagram a little bit like 
uh, a GPS system, a maps system. Mm-hmm. So if I was looking to come to your house, Isabelle, right now, all the way from Sheffield, and I popped it in Google Maps, it might show me the quickest way, and it might show me a few other ways in case there are any, um, you know, if there's been a crash or if there's roadworks or if there's more of a scenic route. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of think of the Enneagram like that. It shows us where we're going and if we're going in a healthy direction or if we're going in an unhealthy direction. Mm-hmm. So we want to think of it like that. It moves with us. So on my best day and on my worst day, the Enneagram is going to be helpful in showing me where I am and where I may be getting it wrong, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So we think of it a bit like a guide. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. We always remain our main type. So there are nine types in the Enneagram system. And today we're going to be looking for your most dominant. You know, we we have all of the types within us. Okay. We're mm. highly, we're so complex as human beings. And so we, you might see, oh, well, there's a little bit of this in me and I'm, I'm a little bit of this, but this is my main type. That's what we're looking for, your main or dominant type. Okay. And that will connect to other types. And we'll explain that as we go. So if you hear something, you think, yeah, me a bit sometimes when I'm angry or yeah. Yeah, me a bit sometimes when I'm having a really good day, yeah. hold on to that. That's okay. really helpful information. And that's going to help paint the full picture of who you are within the Enneagram. Yeah. Okay, cool. We are going to, today we're going to look at the nine types. We're gonna, also going to look at uh, stances and triads. Now, what the heck does that mean? Nothing to you right now, but that is what we're going to look at just today. We could then go on and look at wings and instinctual subtypes and Enneagram paths and wounding childhood messages and all of the big stuff. And if mm. you were to go away and look on Instagram, you might come across this information. Mm-hmm. But just to start with today, we're going to just ground ourselves in the basis of the nine types. Mm-hmm. Does that feel all right for you? Yeah, it does. And if you're listening at home and you want to do this with us, you're absolutely welcome to do that if it's safe, as long as you're not driving. (laughs) But we're just going to observe you, okay, throughout this conversation. We're going to observe the parts of you that you like. And we're going to observe the parts of you that you don't like. And we're going to hold all of them with gratitude and respect and honor. All of that is going to help paint the picture of who you are and where you're at in your life right now is a welling. Mm-hmm. We're going to be open to that without shaming what we learn about you or maybe what we learn about others because I bet you'll be able to place uh, your closest friends, your closest people. You'll say, oh, that's that's her. <laughs> We're going to do that without shaming them as well, which, of course, I'm sure you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. Does that feel like an okay place to jump into? Yeah. Are you ready to jump in? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's begin then with the center of intelligence triad in the Enneagram. Within the Enneagram, we have nine types and those nine types fit into three groups of three. There's lots of triads. The one that I think is the most important is the center of intelligence triad. Now, when we think of intelligence here in the West, we often think of intellectual intelligence as the only form of intelligence. But we know that that is just simply not true. We know that we have emotional intelligence. We know that we have body intelligence. They are all equal and all part of who we are and how we make our way through the world. There will be a dominant um, center of intelligence here for you. So, and for me as well. 
So you might notice that you might know right away that you are really intellectually headstrong. You know what you think and you're really good at knowing what you think. Or you might know that you're really good in your body, that you're intuitive, that you kind of don't know what you think, but you know what you need to do and you just do it. You're a mover, you're a shaker. Or you might realize that actually you're really, really uh, emotionally um, driven and guided, that your heart is kind of leading the way. And so that's what we want to look at today in this first bit of the conversation. Are you um, head, are you heart, or are you gut centered? Okay, what is the the truest uh, and uh, most obvious part of you? What's the loudest part of you? Whether, would it be head, heart, or gut? So I'm going to talk, I'm going to monologue at you for about three minutes about each of these three, and you're going to just trust yourself Trust whatever one feels truest and let me know at the end of that three minutes. Does that feel okay as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Let's start with the gut, okay? Mm-hmm. The movers and the shakers. It might come as a surprise to you. It might not. We don't know each other so well yet. I am part of the gut triad, okay? I'm a mover. I'm a shaker. I know what I want to do. I know what I need to do. And I'm doing it. I haven't really thought it through. I don't necessarily know how I feel about it, but I know that I need to do X, Y, and Z each day to feel okay, to feel good. I know in life, this is what I want to do. I don't necessarily know what I want to feel. (laughs) I haven't got a clue what I think about most things, but I know, I know somewhere deep in my gut, in my body, what needs to be done. And so the common desire for this group of people is justice, okay? So that could be justice for self or justice for the people that they love or justice for a group of people that they've never met or justice for the environment or justice for an issue that we're facing as society. These people know what they need to do about all these different things and often it comes out in in the form of justice, fighting for justice. When we think about fighting for justice, we often have to have some anger. Anger is a, a often demonized as a bad emotion, but it is a catalyst for change without which in this world we could do very little, okay? So the emotional struggle for this group of people is anger. This could be loud, rageful anger. This could be quiet and passive aggressive anger, or this could be internalized hatred of self anger. Okay, Mm -hmm. and on the low side, gosh, it's a mess. These people get really angry. They get angry first before they cry or before they feel sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And they get angry about things that maybe we don't need to get angry about, but it drives them and it pushes them forward to find that justice, to to, uh, go after what they need, to get their work done, whatever it is that, that, that their work is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move around to the heart center then. So these are the people that, you know, they wear their heart on their sleeve. They often know how other people in the room are feeling um, before those people know how they're feeling. Mm. They know how they're feeling. They know how they felt yesterday. They can guess how they're going to feel tomorrow. And everything in life is kind of centered around how they're feeling, how others are feeling. Are we feeling okay? What needs to be done? And so the emotional struggle for this group of people is shame. All those feelings flying around, shame can get in the way there. It can say, 
oh, maybe I didn't get invited to that because of, or, oh, maybe I wasn't included in that because of me, because of me, because of me. So it's often self-shame. And so therefore, the common desire for this group of people is significant identity. So if I was in this triad, Isabelli, I would say, I'm Isabelli's friend, or I am Jen's wife, or I am Sophie, I'm Sophie's mum. Sophie's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would need somebody else to feel significant in any mm-hmm. given room that I'm in. I'm Evie. I'm an, I'm an Enneagram coach who specializes in the menstrual cycle. This is who I am. I want to be seen and known for me. Mm. So see the difference there. Gut, mm-hmm. gut tried people want to do stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. They, they want to just get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Heart-centered people want to be seen and known. Mm-hmm. They want to be valued. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move around finally into the head triad. Okay, so these are the people who classically are very intelligent. They're very good at thinking. They're very good at collecting information and then sorting it and organizing it. They're very good at maybe knowing what they think about the big issues and the small, but they perhaps don't know what they feel about them. They don't know how to attach feelings and they definitely don't know how to kind of get moving and get stuff done. So these are the people that think about things for years <laughs> and, and, and don't do anything about it. They have big dreams, but they don't know how to access them because they feel stuck in their head. There's always going to be more information to gather. There's always going to be uh, something else to read or learn before they can truly begin. Hmm. The emotional struggle for this group of people is fear. Fear is what's keeping them paralyzed, keeping them out of their body and in their head. And therefore, the common desire for this group of people is security. They want to feel secure within themselves and with other people and in their home and in their environment and at their workplace. And that is what's driving them in the same way that significant identity drives heart-centered people or justice drives gut-centered people. Mm-hmm. So I've I've monologued there. <laughs> <laughs> um, before you even started, I knew it was a gut. Yes, so did I as well. Now you tell like, me. Hundred percent <laughs> a gut. Yeah. I'm yeah. a shaker. I'm a mover. I know what to do. I know what I want. I want justice. I can get angry super quick. It's my first emotion. Anything happens, I'm angry first. Before I get sad. Before I cry. Before, like I'm mad. I'm like. Why would you do this? Why did someone do this? Are these people crazy? Like in any subject, whether it's directly related to me or not, like I'm cra- I'm like I'm mad. I'm like I'm angry. I'm like, what are you doing? And I I crave justice for myself, for everybody. I'm all about fair. And I see if something is not fair, you're definitely here for me. Yeah, I always know, always know what to do. Like always, I don't know, <laughs> heart and heart, head, definitely not me, especially heart, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I don't have the significant identity. I'm very much like, I'm Isawali. This is what I do. This is mm-hmm. who I am. This mm. is what I want to achieve in life. Mm. I don't even know like how it's going to happen, but I know what to do. So yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and do stuff and then. And I let my intuition is what guides me in life. My gut guides me a lot. Nothing else. Yeah. I'd love, I would love, I would love to be a little bit more hot-led in my life. I don't necessarily have those struggles. I mean, I have fear like everybody, but it's not like my main. Mm-hmm. Like I feel fairly secure yes. in general. Yeah. 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 Fear isn't driving the bus, as it were. No. 
Okay. And that's, that's perfect because that's what the Enneagram does. It helps bring up balance in the area that are you, that you are maybe weakest or that you haven't exercised that muscle naturally. So you need to build up kind of that, um, yeah, that, uh, energy with, with your heart center. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Let's hold that. Okay. So we're, we're gut centered. We're going to move on to now talking about stances. So in the same way that we've got three groups of three for the center of intelligence triad, we also have the stances triad. So this is very different from the center of intelligence triad. What we're looking at now is the energy that you bring into any room. So Mm. that could be uh, family, that could be friends, that could be work, that could be when you're on the tube. This is the energy that you bring into any space. Mm -hmm. This is your energy. We've got three groups of three. We've got the aggressive stance. We've got the dependent stance. And we've got the withdrawing stance. Now. Sorry, it's not funny, but I'm laughing. (laughs) I'm laughing because I feel like I'm like the non so good one. And I know Ah. you say don't judge yourself. but I'm already looking. I'm like, oh, fuck. Ah, okay. (laughs) Here we go. Self-judgment. Okay. I know. Oh, oh my god. So let's talk about that then. Because you laughed as well. I think our yeah. body sometimes talks but before our mouth does. Mm-hmm. Your body is talking there straight away. Yeah. Now, let's skip ahead a little moment. Which which one were you laughing at? Um aggressive. Move ah. against people and know what we need to do. I'm like, okay. oh my god, that sounds like me. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> sound like you. Now there's nothing awful about that. <gasps> They are named, the aggressive stance, the dependent stance and withdrawing stance, they are named as such to um, bring up what we struggle with. Okay, we Mm. teach the Enneagram from what we get wrong, not what we get right. Mm -hmm. I could teach you the nine numbers from only the positives and we would get to the end and you would say, I don't know which one I am. Because we knew ourselves by what we get wrong. You knew Mm. yourself, you knew you were in the gut triad because we talked about anger there. And you and I both struggle with anger. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's named in a way to evoke a reaction. Mm -hmm. But what do we need to do with that reaction? We need to hold it with honor. Because actually, if when I talk about the aggressive stance, you're going to see how we need those people. Mm -hmm. We need those people. We need people in the dependent stance. And we need people within the withdrawing stance as well. Mm. Because without it, we don't work as a society, as a community. Yeah. And I think, and so Isabelle, again, you don't have to share this bit on the podcast at all. This is just for you. Yeah. I think we can't have this conversation without talking about race as well. Mm-hmm. And I think when we think about uh, the word aggressive and how it has been attached to black women. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just, you know, abhorrent. Yeah. And yeah. Nonsensical. That is then also harder for you to to say, oh, yeah, I'm in the aggressive stance. Mm -hmm. Because when white men, when I work with white men and they read that, I know what we need to do. I move against people. I'm in the aggressive stance. No shame. No laughing. Yeah. Because they haven't been demonized Mm -hmm. for exactly the same leadership skills. They haven't. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that's also really key to hold on to as well. Mm hmm. I'm going to talk about each of the three stances now and all okay. of them are fantastic. Okay. And all of them have some issues. Yeah. And you've been in the aggressive stance for me 
seeing you, seeing the work you do, watching you be a uh, a mum, watching you be like a, quite a big thought leader in the in the you know industry that you're in, and mm. kind of beyond it because you talk about nearly everything on the podcast. Mm. Yeah, actually, you need to be in the aggressive stance. Is a is is yeah. a, you need mm-hmm. to get that stuff done. You need to. Yeah. You can see what needs to change, and you're out here trying to change it. That is yeah. huge. We need mm. that. So I honor you in the aggressive stance. But let's talk about the the three stances there. Okay? okay. Okay. So let's let's start with the aggressive stance. So these are people that when they walk into a room, they have usually higher amounts of energy than other people. They walk into a room, they kind of look at what's going on and they go, gosh, we're getting some things wrong. I know mm. what we can do to change it. They're very quick at knowing mm. what needs to be done and then implementing the change. Okay, Mm -hmm. they are able to stop things (laughs) before they even happen because they can see so quickly. They can kind of almost see into the future. They are really happy to kind of move against people. They're happy to stand up for themselves and for the people that they love and also for the people that they've never met that they care about. Mm -hmm. They're happy to say, no, that's not okay. We need to change this. Let's do this better. Let's do this differently. I've I've had a different idea. Huge, hugely important hugely necessary Mm -hmm. also on their worst day they can move against people in a way that could be a little bit um harsh a little bit hard now that doesn't necessarily mean that these guys are bad no Mm -hmm. it just means that we're all human Mm -hmm. and by understanding that we're in the aggressive stance or someone that we love is in the aggressive stance we can see oh hey they have higher amounts of energy Mm -hmm. than me they they are moving through something right now. Let me honor that in them. Let me not take it so personally. Because mm. often, <laughs> often life isn't personal. It's about what's going on inside of us, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's very yeah. interesting you say that because I have found myself apologizing a lot uh, to sometimes people I work with closely because I would just move at a pace and just want to get stuff done and a lot of the time I tend to work with people that are complete opposite to me. I do not work with anybody that has aggressive sounds, especially my assistants. They just different. So we complement each other really well. But a lot of the time I find myself like I find them reacting in a way that it's like I hurt, like it's personal and it's never, ever personal. I'm like, no, you know, so as you're saying that, I was like, wow, like this is so good to for me next time to be like, hey, babes, <laughs> this is yeah. my stance and this is how I roll. It's not personal. But also learning to see what stance or like what who they are and think, okay, well, calm down. This person roll this way, mm-hmm. run it back or tell them before this is how you roll sometimes, especially if you're stressed, it's not personal. Like, do you know what I mean? Like anticipate that. Not just anticipate what needs to be done, but anticipate and introduce yourself. Like, okay, cool. This is the deal. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, this is so exciting because you absolutely are the number I thought you were going to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, and and we'll talk about it more in a moment when we get to your type. But your type tends not to work with your type. It, it doesn't work because you have such huge energy, Isabelle. You're able mm. to fill that room. So sometimes if somebody else is trying to fill the room, it can be a little bit of a, a, a power dynamic. There can yeah. be something going on. Mm-hmm. And actually the work that you do 
you 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 know you're doing your thing you're you're kind of working alone you're forging your own path and you're running at 100 miles an hour we don't need your assistant to have that same energy mm-hmm. we need your assistant to probably be in the dependent stance mm-hmm. which is what i am in so let's talk about that so let's look at the dependent stance then so these are the people that when they walk into a room they scan they find the aggressive stance person and they go I can help them. I can mm. be their number two. I can be their assistant. I can mm. do all the things that they're saying need to be done. I can I can get that done. The dependence on people, um, it, they're looking to help. What can I do to help? Can I help you? What do you need? Do you need a drink? Do you need to sit down? Do, do you need a snack? Mm. I am in the dependence stance. So anytime anybody comes to my house, the first question is, what can I get you? What do you need? Let me mm. help you. Let me love you. That is how I'm built. They, they're they looking around and they want to be number two. They're happy to be number two. They, mm-hmm. they kind of want to be led by others, but they want to be involved. They're excited mm-hmm. about being part of the team. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have the withdrawing stance people who, when they walk into a room, any given room, they look at the aggressive stance people getting stuff done. They look at the dependent stance people running around, handing out mugs of tea, and they go, oh, that's a lot of energy. I'd rather just chill by myself. Mm. And like, why do you guys all care so much doing mm. all this stuff? Like, do you need to? Is that really necessary? Because withdrawing stance people have the least amount of energy. Mm. Aggressive stance people, high amount of energy. Dependent stance, kind of in the middle. Withdrawing stance, least amount of energy. Mm. when they see you know me for example in the dependent stance running around handing out food you know the amount of times I've driven around my city just delivering meals to friends because they're ill or they've had a baby or they, mm. <laughs> they day, that's me that's my work I love that I beep beep I'm coming like <laughs> wow How my stance husband looks at me and goes you're mad yeah like let's just order them delivery like yeah why why are you driving there yeah yeah so it's just different energy okay yeah Mm -hmm. now withdrawing stance people are incredible at being by themselves Mm. they're they're happy to move away from people they don't need anybody else to kind of agree with them or Mm. they're happy to stand alone and so Mm -hmm. that's a little bit similar to aggressive stance people as well yeah yeah both aggressive stance and withdrawing stance people, their reference point to life is themselves. Dependent yeah. people, reference point to life is others. Mm. So, as an example, I am okay today, right now, doing this podcast with you, Zoeli. I'm okay if you're okay. Mm. If you're not okay, I'm, I'm not okay. I need to take yeah. a minute because yeah. I forget that I'm in my own body because I'm so dependent on the other people in the room does that make sense yeah it does yeah okay cool wow so we're thinking gut and gut triad and then aggressive stance that feels yeah 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 I think I definitely have some withdrawing stance as well but I think like you said like I sometimes very much have to be away from everybody actually quite a lot (laughs) like I very much I know what we need to do, but I can also very much be sometimes, oh God, like, like I'm a loner. Like I work on my own. I do my things on my own. Like I'm a loner. And sometimes I'm like, okay, everybody's too much for me right now. I need 
alone time to resource, to recharge. I would love to be a bit more, what can I do to help? Yeah. Like naturally. I'm not like that naturally. I'm more like, I know what we need to do. I'm going to do it. Totally. No, do you know what I mean? I absolutely do. Uh, it's almost like you're reading from my um, Enneagram textbooks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. In terms of, um, yeah, that's very gut triad aggressive stance. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Yeah, it, it tracks completely. And also this wanting to be a little bit more dependent stance, wanting to ask, what can I do to help? Actually, that fits really perfectly um, with your type when it moves into health and, and mm. kind of what your type needs to do to bring balance mm-hmm. it needs to move more towards the dependent stance and so there's loads of things we can do to help kind of bring that up and support that and create spaces for that mm-hmm. and, you know you'll be very good at doing it because you're a doer so we don't need to worry about that it's <laughs> good <laughs> good okay so once we kind of we know your um, central intelligence we know your stance what we then can do is reveal what type you are and so Isabelle so far from the work that we've done together today it's looking like you're a type eight okay so we're gonna talk about all of the numbers now in case we've got it wrong but we're gonna jump into starting about um the type eight oh I'm excited okay cool so we're going to talk through the nine types of uh, the Enneagram now. We're going to okay. do that by talking through the four calls, um, which I don't think you will have come across, I don't think. So the four calls are, as they sound, we have the core fear, the core desire, the core weakness, and the core longing. The core fear is, as it sounds, it's what this person is always trying to prevent from happening, always avoiding. The core desire is what a person is always striving for and believing will bring them complete fulfillment. If I had this, then I'd be okay, you know? Mm -hmm. The core weakness is kind of the issue that will always remain an issue that this person will always struggle with. Um, And then the core longing is the central message that this person is always longing to hear or at times thirsting to hear, but were unable to hear during childhood and that's why it feels like a missing piece almost so let's jump into them and let's start with type eight which is the type that we are suspecting you are is <laughs> now i didn't put type eight first because i was uh working with you today i always teach type eight fit type eight first and that is because type eights have the highest amount of energy Mm. more than anybody else on their on the enneagram Mm -hmm. you guys are energizer bunnies okay you have an incredible well of energy within you Mm. and often what happens is if we don't teach type eight first you very quickly will lose interest and that is uh, that is both good and bad. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Type eights are often known as the challenger, or the boss, or the mm. CEO, and that is because that's usually who they are. They usually mm. are the boss. They mm. usually do challenge. They mm. they often you know at some point in their life become a CEO. That's <laughs> mm. just built into who they are. Mm-hmm. You know. Type 8s are very self-confident. They're intense. 
They they know what needs doing and they're doing it. Remember, gut triad, body triad, but aggressive stance. Mm. So that also means that they're assertive and confrontational. They Type 8s often have no problem saying, hey, that's wrong. That's not yeah. fair. Mm-hmm. Even if it's scary. Mm-hmm. Even if there is a threat involved. Mm-hmm. They will put both feet on the ground and say, not today. That's not happening. And that's because they're so big hearted. Mm. Now, it's interesting that when we were talking through your center of intelligence, that you felt like you didn't have much access to your heart space. Mm. And actually, what we see with the type eights is that they have a huge heart. I would say maybe the biggest heart on the Enneagram type, but it is so well hidden. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So true. I've yeah. always felt like I had a big heart and I know it. I'm like, oh, like I, I know it. Like not without like giving myself a compliment. Like I know I'm a big hearted person, but I can equally, yeah, it sometimes feels like there's a fence there and it's such a big and strong and thick fence that I myself struggle to like get into the heart itself. You know what I mean? Like, Let's talk about the core weakness, okay? So mm. the core weakness for type A is lust or excess. Mm. Oh, I feel seen. <laughs> I feel seen. I am being seen. I feel attacked. <laughs> oh, I feel attacked, you guys. I'm laughing. Sometimes when I'm laughing, it's because I'm nervous. Wow. When wow. I laugh, sometimes it's like, oh, fuck. I got yeah. caught up today. Shit is becoming real, you know. Yeah. By the way, I am swearing a lot in this podcast because that's actually how I talk. And I'm not going to filter just, you know, <laughs> apologies for anybody that gets offended by cursing words. Um, But I actually curse a, a lot. But when I record podcasts, I don't curse because obviously, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to curse constantly. So I try to edit it out before I talk. But I'm very relaxed right now and very, I'm just very relaxed. Not that I'm not relaxed when I record my work, but right now I don't feel like I'm working. I'm just receiving something. So I'm being very much myself. So I am not filtering the cussing words. So let me just quickly pop an apology here. Thank you very much. Okay, keep going. (laughs) But also, I mean, Saipates are very relaxed with their language. They'll swear because there's a release involved. If you think about your heightened energy mm. uh, and most of life is can be a little bit boring for the type eights that's why they go out and achieve so much because they're bored yeah. <laughs> they want to do something i like to think about type eights almost like and i this sometimes really really upsets the type eights but i often think about type eights like a puppy and puppies will play and play and play and bite and nip and play and be rough and be silly. And actually, the only time that the rest of us kind of get into that heightened energy state is when we're angry or when we're upset. And mm-hmm. so when we see, when we use the word the challenger to describe the type A, sometimes you're not even wanting to challenge because it's something that you really believe in. But it's because you want somebody to play with you mm-hmm. because you need uh, intensity as intimacy mm-hmm. when someone gets as upset or worked up or angry as you about something your brain goes friend that's somebody safe mm-hmm. they get it mm. I'm say I can be me now I can mm. I can dump a load of swear words I can say whatever I want I can be angry I can shout I can swear and mm. I know that I'm safe mm-hmm. I know that I'm okay 
mm. because the rest of us are a little bit more, you know, slower yeah. and quieter. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I do think a lot of the times people will say type eights, aggressive stance, they're assertive to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to mm. you, but not to them. Your heart is not to be assertive to be mean. You're looking to share this energy. You're looking to create or release or make something. You're yeah. a mover and a holder. And so mm. I think that's always really key to remember. But let's look at this core weakness. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um So lust or excess. Now, lust here can be sexual. It isn't Mm. always, okay? Mm -hmm. What do we mean by that? We mean that type eights are constantly desiring intensity, control, and power, pushing themselves willfully on life and people to get what they want. Type eights are charming. Type eights can get what they want. They can work the room. They fill the room. They allow other people to feel safe. My dad, for example, is an eight. I've watched that man talk himself out of speeding tickets, you know, any I've talked us into getting a better seat in a restaurant or on a plane. Now, that is because he's charming and he knows he knows how to play with power dynamics well. Mm. Tablets are very good at that. Why? Mm. Because you've got the intensity, you've got the energy to read the room. Mm. You know how everybody else is feeling in the room. You know where the power is and you know how to get it to help you feel safe. Mm. On the low side of that, in a weakness point of view, that can be a little bit cheeky. Mm. That can be a little bit tricky. That can Mm. sometimes be not fair. (laughs) And so that's something that we have to be aware of with the type eights. Okay, so the core longing, Isabelle, for for your type, is you will not be betrayed. Mm. We won't let you down, Isabelle. We won't let you go. Yeah. Hearing that, does that does that feel true? Are you do you often notice yourself thinking, well, he he will let me down. She she won't do what she said. I'll have to do it myself. I'm gonna have to do everything. Um, now that you say it, yeah, but I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Now that you say it, I very much <laughs> God. <gasps> I again I'm judging myself as I'm laughing and getting nervous and thinking about what I'm about to say but I'm gonna go ahead and say it I very much often feel like whatever I need to do I can do it best I do it best so I'm just gonna go ahead and do it because (laughs) I'm like yeah xyz don't do it as well as I'm gonna do it so let me just what's that quote that people say like if you want to be served serve yourself or there's something like you do it best or something so I very much I very much roll like that which is why sometimes I end up doing so much um and when I delegate which is the hardest thing ever in my business especially if the job is not well done to the standard that I expect it basically reinforces that and which is not good because I end up doing it and it's like an affir- confirmation of something that is not always true, actually, because sometimes I just have to hire the right person, explain how to do this, why this thing to the person, like the nanny or, or, or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and not expect, but I have such high expectations of myself and of others that it actually kills me. 
right? Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to deliver at 3 million percent, guys. We are not showing up with some lame ass shit, right? And it's like, okay, but I haven't even explained it properly because I'm like, yeah, but you should know how to do this. Hey, come on out. So that's definitely something big I'm getting aware of and I really want to work on, but I didn't feel, I didn't connect it to the, you will not be betrayed, but it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a pro and a con of my personality. It serves me great at times because I perform, I get shit done, and I'm successful in my own right. But it also it also kills me because I end up doing too much, and you know I get sick and tired and things like that, and and alienate people as well because people are like, "Who's this bitch? Like, calm down." <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I also know, and as I'm growing or aging or whatever we call this that Mm -hmm. the type of success I want is closely linked to my self-development to my own growth Mm -hmm. and at the moment my heart I'm I'm holding myself back with this inability of tapping to my heart of being Mm -hmm. so blocked and controlled and I just I'm craving finding a bit of balance bit of balance is all I want Miss Isawelli <laughs> sometimes I talk to myself I'm like come on girl we can do this you know like it's yeah. yeah it's hard yeah it is hard because it's not naturally accessible to you because mm. of how we've been formed and we've lived life uh, Isawelli can I ask how old you are do you feel fine <gasps> Guys, I'm gonna be 40 in two three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. I'm 40. Well, by the time they listen to this podcast, I will be 40. Because I think oh. it's coming the second week of October. Wow, amazing. Happy, happy birthday. A big one. That's oh. so exciting. And <laughs> if we think about it, you know, 40 years of powering through, getting it done, mm. you know, being the challenger, being the boss, being successful, you know, really just out here doing it. Yeah. And not needing to kind of catch up with the feelings. I'll do yeah. that next week. I'll do that next month. Right now I'm winning. Right yeah. now I'm running really hard. I'm yeah. running after what I want. And now I think, you know, maybe you're in a place where things are a little bit more secure. You know, mm-hmm. you've built your, you, 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 well, I want to call it an empire from where I'm stood. It looks incredible. I'm mm. sure lots of difficult and things <laughs> within that for sure. But also... You know, you've created something really Mm. special, Mm. really, you know, life changing for a lot of people that listen and watch. Thank you. (laughs) But so so now your I feel like your body is maybe saying, Okay, let's do let's do the other stuff now. Mm. Now that I'm safe. Because you know, that's the type eight thing. That Mm. I gotta be safe. My people have got to be safe. You know, so you've created this space. Now you can maybe relax in it and start to do that internal work which is mm. harder for you yeah other than going out and earning the money and creating something yeah you're really naturally good at that this is yeah. this is the, the hard stuff for sure it's hard it's hard it's really hard like but you know what I'm committed to it yeah. I am so committed to it I'm committed to growth I I love it it's yeah. hard but at the same time yeah I'm like I've never done something for my personal growth that I've been that I've regretted it there's always so much life is always so much beautiful on the other side and I really deeply at this time of my life one year into motherhood feel like yeah this is it you need to go through this part you need to 
get on the other side and you're going to experience so much more once you tap into that big heart of you a bit more. I know I'm not going to become like a completely new person. I'm not even trying to because I I like Taipei. It's cute. (laughs) But yeah, I I want a bit of balance. I want a bit of that. I want to be able to, at least with the people I really love, like be just say like help me or have these conversations you know totally totally. and if we think about um I like to think about it a bit like a stool with three legs you know Mm. your your gut center leg really long really strong your head center it's okay Mm. your heart center leg short super there's no balance there you're falling over and actually let's just bring some balance we don't want to change who you are who you are is so needed Mm. for this world but we do want to bring some balance so that each day is a little bit more enjoyable and comfortable mm. and beautiful for you. Mm-hmm. Because when we can really truly face, you know, the shadow side, the stuff that is hard, the painful things, that's also where we find really true beauty as well. Yeah. There is so much beauty and so much power in you speaking to your partner about what you need support in or mm-hmm. your assistant or other people that you're working with or other friends. There's so much beauty in that in saying, hey, I need help. Mm. And letting the dependence dance people in your life go, I can do that. Yeah. Because yeah. just like you're built for getting stuff done and, and the high energy and building empires, the other people in your life who are built for loving you really well and supporting you really well, that's what they're built for. We've got to give them a chance to do that as well. And yeah. so when we think about building the, the balance and the compassion within the Enneagram, it's so everybody has a place to stand. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's powerful work. You're doing this for yourself because it also supports the other people in your life. And I yeah. think that is something that's so needed mm. in personal work, this yeah. element of community. Without that, what are we doing? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So then let's take a look at type nine. So moving around, we're still in the gut triad, um, but we're in the withdrawing stance now. So we're thinking angry, but withdrawing stance, we get the type nine, the peacemaker. So this type is thoughtful and reassuring. They're accommodating, but they are a little bit resigned to life, okay? If we think type eights have the most amount of energy on the Enneagram, type nines have the least, okay? Mm. They just don't have as much energy as everybody else. And so therefore, they can find themselves being a little bit resigned to life. They just can't do as much as the rest of us. Mm. So let's look at the core fear then. Being in conflict of any kind for the type nine is something that brings huge, huge fear. It, it exhausts them. They are so fearful of it, about losing connection with others. And so therefore, it would make sense that the core desire for the type nine would be to have inner stability peace of mind they just want to feel safe they want to feel known they want to feel loved with everybody so they can finally get on and do what they're meant to do because they are still in that gut triad so this can get a little bit confusing the core weakness for the type nine is sloth but they're in that doing triad but their core weakness is sloth yeah it's a weakness it's not always who they are but it's where they are weak and Mm. so they kind of remain in this unrealistic and idealistic world to keep the peace everything's fine everything's fine I don't have a problem with him she doesn't have a problem with me there are no problems Mm. my relationship is 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 great I'm Mm. okay they kind of remain easygoing to not be disturbed by their anger so that they spend so much energy avoiding 
that they then fall asleep to what they were what they were built to do you know they fall asleep to their passions and their desires and their needs and they just kind of merge with other people I love so, to help people like this yeah me too I'm not gonna lie I'm reading this I'm like who is this call me <laughs> mm, yeah I yeah. will share my energy with you. I will help you rise up, sister. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when we think about, you know, the core longing then for the type nine, which is your presence matters. Your voice matters. What you say matters. Mm. That's so impactful for the type nine because a good way to spot a type nine is if you say, hey, type nine, what do you want to have for dinner? I don't mind. What do you want to have? Hey, type nine, where do you want to go on holiday? I don't mind. Where do you want to go? Mm. Hey, type nine, what what do you what do you think you'd like for your birthday present? I don't mind. I don't know. Because often they don't know. They've not spent enough time remembering that they themselves are important mm. and they're allowed to take up space. And that is, you know, what we need to do with the rest of us is remind the type nines that their voice matters, their opinion, yeah. they count, they're valuable. Wow. Okay. Okay. Then moving around to the type one, I am a type one. <laughs> mm. So uh, I'm going to talk from a personal place here, but type ones are known as the perfectionists or the advocates, okay? They are conscientious, orderly, appropriate, judgmental, and ethical. Now, when I say judgmental, it's not like in a cute way. It's in a really ugly way, okay? Mm. If type, we're still in the anger triad here. So type eights, big, loud, rageful anger. Type nines, quiet, passive-aggressive anger. Type one, anger towards self. So when mm. we're talking about judgment, we're talking about judgment of others, but mainly judgment towards ourselves. Each type tends to have a deal breaker. Type eights, high, highest amount of energy. Type nines, least amount of energy. Type ones, a very loud, relentless inner critic. Mm. So if you have an extremely loud inner critic, you're probably a type one. We all have self-talk. We all say negative things towards self. For most people, it's at volume 10, 11. For type ones, it's at 100 all the time. There is no turning it down. The other stuff just has to be louder. Mm. And that's where this perfectionism comes in because all the time we're constantly battling this. You didn't do that well enough. So let's let's talk about today. Uh, you, you and I, Isabelli. I, um, I, I'm doing a lot of teaching today. I've done quite a bit of talking. We don't know each other so well. So every mm. time I say something, you hear me at the end of it. I go, "Does that make sense? Was that all right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Was that okay?" Because I am desperate to make sure that this is okay. Because all the time in my head, every time I speak, it that wasn't very good. I bet that doesn't make any sense. I bet mm. she said something that better. I bet somebody else has been on the podcast who said that better. You didn't mm. listen to the podcast episodes before, so it's probably going to be a mess. Oh my gosh. This oh, wow. is the best. Yeah, it's a lot. And so mm. what do I have to do instead? Just be better. Be yeah. more perfect. Be shinier. Be, be, be the best. Yeah. That's not possible. Mm. We all know that that's not possible. And mm. yet the type one fools themselves into believing that if they just work harder on themselves that 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 it'll go away Mm. the core fear for the type one being bad i believe on a deep and intrinsic level that i am bad if you Mm. believe this too you're probably a type one Mm -hmm. the core desire then is to be good i just want to be balanced i want to be right Mm. and when i'm not right 
that threatens that threatens my space mm. in the community that's really scary for me so that can be where the anger comes out gosh Eve I can't believe you didn't get that right that's not okay mm. they won't invite you back Isabelle won't want to chat to you ever again mm. <laughs> or yeah. whatever making up stuff about other people yeah Ooh, type one calm it down <laughs> remember type eight aggressive stance Type yeah. nine, withdrawing stance. Type one, dependent stance. Mm. I'm okay if you're okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, it can get really messy up in here. So wow. the, the weakness for type one is resentment. Mm-hmm. So repressing anger. Anger isn't perfect. Anger isn't cute. Anger is pretty messy. That's how we've been taught about anger. Mm. So anytime I feel that anger, I just have to shove it down and repress it and just pretend that everything's okay. Do we think that works? No. That's why it's the core weakness. Yeah. And so what do I need to do as a type one? I need to be okay with making mistakes. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have to lean into them. I have to start a hobby every six months that I'm not very good at to keep pushing myself to be okay with being not the best. Mm. Why? Because it's okay. It's okay. The core longing for the type one is you are good. It means the most to me when somebody says, that was good, Eve. You did a good job. Mm. Did a good job. Because deep down, I'm not looking for perfection underneath all the noise. I just want to be good so I can yeah. be loved. Yeah? yeah. 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 Does Makes that make sense? sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Wow. Let's move so around interesting. to Oh, so interesting. So interesting. Okay. Let's move around to type two. So we're now moving around into the um heart triad. And type twos are known as the helper or the friend, okay? Mm-hmm. This is who the type two wants to be. Dependent stance, but heart triad. So that creates a very thoughtful and warm and generous, lovely human being who are also a little bit possessive, mm. okay? Why is that? The core fear for the type two is being rejected, being unwanted, being thought of as, you know, unworthy of love. And the core desire is to be appreciated or loved or wanted. And sometimes the two will settle for stuff that isn't love and that isn't appreciation and is and is just on a very uh, basic level, oh, I'll keep you around. Mm-hmm. The uh, core weakness for the type two is pride. And so this is the deal breaker for the type two. If you have this, if you, if you know this about yourself, you're probably definitely a type two. Type twos will kind of ignore their own needs and ignore their emotions and use their intuition to read what other people are feeling. And they're very good at that. Type twos often will be able to get and guess what other people are feeling before they even know it themselves. Type Mm. twos are very good at feelings. And so then they read what other people are feeling, confidently insert them, insert themselves into feeling that need or supporting that person and just deny any help to self. Mm. They don't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So we often see type twos in a very burnt out, often hungry and needing a wee mm. <laughs> because they just are not noticing their own needs. Mm-hmm. Remember dependent stance. I'm only okay if you're okay. Mm-hmm. Not enough time to go to the toilet if if it's go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. if, they're, if they're working with their type eight, which is a very common pairing. <laughs> mm, interesting that. Mm. And the core longing for the type two is you are loved. Mm. Full stop. You are loved. 
Yeah. No questions. Hmm. If that's speaking to you, you might be a type two. Let's and have a look. So many type twos. Yeah. 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 And actually, when we look at the breakdown of types, we would say that there are more type twos and there are much less type eights mm. just from the research that has been done, which isn't loads, but we, you know, the research yeah. that is, there is saying that there aren't loads of type eights, mm. which, you know, incidentally is quite helpful because we can't all be a CEO. We can't of all course. be. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, okay. Let's look at type three. So aggressive stance, but heart center. Type threes are known as the achiever. Now, Isabella, you might hear some of this and go, oh, yeah, oh, that could be me. Yeah. But let, let, let's check in on that core longing when we get to it. So type threes are efficient and they're accomplished and they're motivated and they're image conscious. Okay. What do we mean by image conscious? Well, the core weakness for the type three is deceit. They kind of deceive themselves into believing they are only what they present to others. So it's not that they're lying, but it means that in any room they want to be uh, the best at being in that room. So at the gym, they've got all the gear, they've got the new um, hokers, they're like wearing all the cool stuff. They look like they're really good at the gym. And then at the school gates, they look like the best mum. They've got all the snacks, they've got all the painting supplies in their bag. They're super easy and chilled. It's so amazing. And then at work, they are the best at their job. They're the best at being a nurse. They're the best at being a content creator, they're the best. Mm. So they kind of have different hats that they wear for these different things that they do in life. And they want to look like the epitome, of whatever it is that they're doing for that hour on that day. Mm. So there's a lot of shifting and shape-shiftering and, and changing. Uh, they're a bit like chameleons in mm. that sense. Type three's core fear is being incompetent or failing, failing to be successful or even appearing unsuccessful mm. yeah the core desire is to have high status and respect to be valuable to be admired to be successful and the core longing for the type three is you are loved and valued for simply being you mm. without all the stuff without the cool trainers mm. without the big job without the fancy house without any of it mm -hmm. you're loved and valued for simply being you Okay, let's move around to the type four. Final type in the heart center. So heart center, but withdrawing stance. So lower energy. Type fours are known as the romantic of the Enneagram or the individualist. So these guys are authentic and they're creative and they're expressive, but they're pretty deep. They got so many feelings. They've got access to so many feelings. It can be a little temperamental. So the core fear for the type four is being insignificant, inadequate, mundane, dull. <laughs> and therefore the core desire is to be special and unique, to find their authentic self. Type fours are on this quest always. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I today? Who will I be tomorrow? And their core weakness is envy. Now envy is very different to jealousy. Let's, let's talk about it. The best way that I can describe envy is uh, from the point of view as a type four is imagine the type four reading a book, reading a poetry book in the park on a Saturday afternoon. And they look over and they see a 
beautiful family and they're playing and they've got the dog and the dog is running around being really cute with the kids it's loving it's beautiful and they look over and they go oh I wish I had that Hmm. but actually I think I'd be a bit bored it's this push-pull of the type four I want it but not like that Mm -hmm. I want to be seen and known, but also I'm so individual, you could never understand me. It's this push-pull of feeling that Mm. they're missing out, but also not wanting to go when they've been invited. Does that make sense? Yeah. Type four's core longing is you are seen and loved for for exactly who you are, special and unique. There is no one like you, type four. There is nobody like you. Okay, type five. We're moving around into the head center. Okay, so we're leaving doing behind. We're leaving feelings behind. We're moving into the mind tower, (laughs) the head center. Type fives. Withdrawing stance, the head center. So very low energy and many, many thoughts. Type fives are known as the investigator. They are very intelligent in the way that, you know, they're, they're book smart, they're academic. They're insightful, they're perceptive, but they're also very detached and isolated. And they love it. They love it like that. They love not being able to be reached by others. Why? They got low energy. Type nines have the least amount of energy. Type fives have measured amount of energy. Mm. Same amount of energy every day. They can't add to it. They can only take away from it. So if something random happens one day, an emergency or a friend comes into town that they haven't seen for a while and they have to make space for something new, that drains the battery really quickly. And so type fives are always trying to protect their energy because they just don't feel like they have enough. The core fear for the type five is kind of uh, having their energy depleted, having having obligations placed upon them that they can't wriggle out of, having to be around people a lot. (laughs) Remember, they left being isolated. The core desire is to be capable and competent and knowledgeable. They don't want to be the best. They don't want to be the worst. They want to skim through in the middle and be unbothered by anybody else. They don't want to be noticed. <laughs> Isabelle, that sounds crazy to me and you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, also, as you're saying this, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like, you know, in your head, you're like, oh, my God, I feel like this is this person. Yeah. Might not be, but, you know, when you're like have a friend or someone, you're like, is this person like oh my god it sounds like the core weakness for type fives is avarice kind of an old-fashioned word what the heck am i talking about Mm. (laughs) avarice is feeling that they lack inner resources and that too much interaction will lead to this catastrophic depletion that they're always worrying about with their energy levels and so they withhold themselves from the world so the best way i can describe this is a a type five will do Um, a food shop to last them they'll do a weekly food shop enough food to last for a week and then they will just eat maybe one meal a day so that their food lasts for two weeks so they don't have to go back out into the world okay this is is the kind of detachment and isolation we're talking about with type fives uh my husband is a type five and so when we were first living together it was a shock I was like what is going what what is all of this you know this fruit on the side just eat the fruit it's gonna go bad but Mm. this need to kind of hoard not to have stuff but to not have to go out into the world is a big driver for the type fives oh wow the core longing for the type five uh is your needs are not a problem it's okay 
that mm-hmm. you might need to go to the shop again. And it's okay that you might find that tiring. You can ask us for help and we'll help you type vibes. Mm-hmm. You can be part of this community without having to look and sound like everybody else. It's okay mm-hmm. to have your needs met. How you want them to be met, we can do that for mm-hmm. you. Okay, type six, coming in hot, the final uh, dependent stance number, we're still in the head triad, type sixes are known as the loyalist. So type sixes are committed and responsible and faithful, but yowza, are they suspicious and a little bit anxious? Mm. When we're using the word anxious here, we are not diagnosing anybody with anxiety. We're using anxious like we would use the word irresponsible or suspicious. Mm-hmm. However, many type sixes do have diagnosed anxiety. So we're holding space for both to be true in this space. Okay. The core fear for type sixes is fear itself. They are fearful. They are fearful people. They're scared of things going wrong. They're scared of things going right. They're scared of things if they just stay the same. Fear is a big driver for the type six. Mm. And so you know, therefore, the core desire is looking for security and support in everything that they're doing. The core weakness, as I was just saying, is anxiety. Okay. Again, not diagnosing anybody. We're not talking about a, a mental health disorder. We're talking about it like we would talk about anger for you and I as well. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about here for type sixes is kind of scanning the horizon of life, trying to predict the future and negative outcomes, worst case scenarios, and remaining in this kind of constant state of apprehension as a way to protect themselves. Mm. Type sixes are the only number that were really truly prepared for COVID because they're the type that's been worrying about that for since forever. They're the oh, wow. type that during COVID said, I knew this would happen. I, I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and I, uh, and, and you know, the, the type threes are going, who cares? It's here. Let's deal with it. <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, to the, but that is, that is a valid, that is a valid experience of life. And so yes. I, I say that to say, we all had very different responses to COVID. Mm. We will all have different responses to whatever, you know, the next year has for us. Yeah. And yeah. Space for all of them always. Um, the core longing for the type six is quite simply, you are safe. Mm. You are safe. We've got you. You're safe. Yeah. Even if something bad happens, we, we, we'll have your back. And then finally, the final number on the Enneagram. If you're a type seven, thanks for hanging about. Um, type sevens are in the head triad, but they're also part of that aggressive stance. So high energy. Type sevens are known as the optimist or the enthusiast. They are playful and scattered and versatile and excitable. And they are the inventors of FOMO. Okay. They are escape artists. They will wriggle out of any kind of pain or boredom quicker than I can finish this sentence. Mm. They ain't doing it. They're not up for it. Okay. So the core fear is being trapped or being bored or missing out on something fun. Type sevens are the party animals. Okay. Mm. They, they, they just want to have fun. They want to go from one fun thing to the next fun thing to the next fun thing. And they never, ever, ever want to handle their emotions. They never want to deal with them. Isabelle, you are next door to the type seven. You share a fence with type seven. Mm. So some of this may feel true for you. Might 100%. Not. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So the core desire for type seven is to be satisfied, to mm. be content, to be happy. 
the core weakness for the type seven is gluttony. Mm. So feeling like whatever whatever they're putting into themselves uh, is is coming out the bottom of a a bucket that has holes in the bottom. You know, they are always trying to fill up themselves with more experiences and more fun and more yummy food and mm. more. I've mentioned trainers today. More trainers, mm. <laughs> and it's never enough. Yeah, never enough because they refuse to do the work of patching and the the bottom of the bucket, as it were, and 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 get get down with their emotions, really mm. learn about what's going on internally. The core longing for the type seven is you will be taken care of. You can take care of yourself. You can do it. You don't need to constantly fill yourself up with another new experience or another new trip or another healing modality. Mm. You will and those are the nine Enneagram types. So powerful. Like, I feel like in all of them, there's a little bit of everyone, like you said. Like there are a few bits. Some stronger. I'm definitely an eight, like <laughs> without a doubt, yeah. like a strong eight. Yeah. But like there are a couple of them, maybe seven, and another one I can't remember which. I was like, oof. Mm. Sometimes I slide in here, you know, mm. like sure. um, or even like telling me and seeing people that I know clearly in one the more we know about ourselves and the more we heal ourselves, the faster it is to heal the world and to make the world a better place. You know, for me, self-development, I'm a self-development junkie. Like I love all this shit, like bring it on. I'm, I'm here for it. But jokes aside and me aside, removing myself out of the equation and looking at all of this, I'm like, what a great tool to, learn more about yourself in a deeper way and perhaps in a way that might trigger you that like I was today. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to share this episode with everybody because I think it's a powerful one. And I think anybody on a journey of soul searching or healing, even just healing yourself, like physical healing, I think there's a lot to learn when you know your Enneagram. Anybody on that journey, please come and see Evie. She's so beautiful. She held this space so beautifully for me. I felt so safe. So I'm really grateful for that. It was such an honor and a pleasure having you here. Uh, where can we come and find you? And I know that you work more or you like working, uh, mixing Enneagram and women's health. Can you sort of, yeah, let let my community know like how you do that and you know, so they can come to you for those who need that. Oh, yeah, thank you for everything that you just said there, Isabelli. That is uh, so meaningful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that means a lot to me coming from you. So thank you so much. Um, yes, I think it might be helpful to know that I have a background with chronic illness. I was very ill in my late teens and early 20s. I was ill for, I was significantly ill for about six years. And so, um the walk of being ill and feeling disembodied and not feeling at home in your body is a journey of mine. That's a journey I've taken. Having uh, my own walk with PCOS and endometriosis, I decided to create a menstrual cycle informed course utilizing and using the ancient wisdom of the Enneagram. I think it's a really important journey to take if you live in a female body to understand what's going on on a soul level, as well as what's going on on a physical level. And so by marrying those two 
hugely important parts of us together. I think we create a more embodied version of ourselves and can, you know, go after what we want a bit more. So you can find me online. Uh, my Instagram is at the type guide. My website is www.thetypeguide.co.uk. Um, I'm also on TikTok. And yeah, I'd love to see you there. Slide into my DMs, book a free 30 minute consultation and yeah, be a part of, yeah, be a part of this. The Enneagram is Amazing. for everybody. Yeah. So, I will put all your details in the, you know, in the show notes because yeah, I think everybody should come and see you at least be in your world and at least have a little taste and have a little flavor and see, but I think you had quite a pretty good taste and flavor of hers today. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.